Father God, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity to come and worship together. Jesus, as we as we gather with one another as brothers and sisters, I pray that what we do today would be pleasing and honoring to you. And Father, by no means do we claim that we have it figured out. By no means do we claim that we understand you in any way, shape, or form. But Father, we come completely based off of faith, based off of what we read in your word and just the small things that we can understand. And Father, as we come and we we pray and we sing and Lord, as we begin to read your word in a minute, that you would teach us. God, that you would teach us who you are. You would show us who you are. That you would reveal new things to us that we've never saw or understood before. Lord, for the youngest to the oldest, that we would be humble this morning. And that our prayer would be, Jesus, just show yourself to me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I know that I'm not what I should be, but I pray that you would be merciful and that you would continue to work in me and that you would change me. And Lord, help me to have that attitude every day. Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity to come because it gives us the chance to pray for things like this, but it also gives us a chance to pray for other people who aren't able to be here with us today. So we lift up our brothers and sisters who are at home, who are watching online, for all the requests that have been mentioned over the past couple weeks. Lord, you know our list grows constantly with new people so we lift these people up to you for physical needs but most importantly the spiritual needs Lord for all these teenagers who are here this morning who's had such great experiences at camp we pray that you would continue to do the work in their life but God as adults we don't expect them to just bear that burden God I pray that you would do the work in our life so that we can encourage them and guide them Lord, we love you today, and I pray once again that you would speak to us in a mighty way, and that, Father, that we would be pleasing and honoring to you. We love you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. What well, is great to see everybody this morning. Um, we are in our basically our sixth week of talking about questions that Jesus asked. And over the last five weeks, we've been dealing with this, uh, this whole idea of the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus is teaching. You know, he's, he's up on the mountainside, he's speaking to these large crowds of people, he's explaining the law of Moses to them, he's communicating what God wants from them, the expectations, the the reasoning behind, the heart behind why God has said all these things. 
And he's revealing truth to them. And as he's speaking and as he's teaching, as he's making statements, he's asking questions. And you know, I've said the past several weeks, I love the quote where it says, a question opens the mind, but a statement closes it. There's a reason why Jesus wanted to ask the question to make us think about what he's saying. And today's a little different because we're, we're transitioning from Jesus in this moment of teaching to the story we're jumping in today is just kind of like this life scenario. I mean, it's, they're, they're not in a ministry setting. They're not surrounded by people who are watching them or uh, they're not being followed by these huge crowds. They're in a very isolated moment in their life. Um, life happens, you know, the world happens. They're in this crazy situation. And all of a sudden, you know, we, we always say, I joke, you know, it, it hits the fan like it does in our life so many times. All of a sudden it just hits the fan and they are uh, terrified out of their minds. And so the question for today is, why are you afraid? So if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27, we're going to read about Jesus calming the storm. And most of you in the room have probably read this passage of Scripture a million times. You've probably heard at least a hundred sermons on it. And I just always love to challenge people, especially on familiar passages, not to just zone out because you've heard it before, but to really have faith in a God who can take his word and continue to communicate through his word, even the same word, multiple things in multiple times uh, over and over and over again, who can always teach us something new. You know, you, you think about the God that we claim that we believe in, do you believe that he can teach you something new? It's not a matter of whether or not I can preach on it in a way that no one else has ever preached on it before, but it's the fact that we serve a God who can show us something new in the midst of something we've heard a million times. And that's what we have to have faith in today. So in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27, the story goes, Then Jesus got into the boat, and he started across the lake with his disciples. And suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. And the disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. Now I want to take a time out from our passage and just kind of bring you into the situation. Most of the disciples were fishermen. like They were experienced fishermen. They had spent their entire lives out on the water in a boat. This was their job. This is what they did. And so you need to understand today that this is not just like, oh, it's a little rocky. You know, this is terrifying. And if the disciples were, were scared in this moment, this must have been a pretty serious storm for the ones who had spent their entire lives out on the water to be worried like, we're all going to drown. They really believed this, okay? And they went and they woke Jesus up because they said, if you don't do something, we're going to drown. Let's keep reading. So Jesus responded... Why are you afraid? There's our question for today. You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked, that even the winds and the waves obey him? And so this morning... We're just going to jump into the points. Point number one, there will always be legitimate fears. If I were to stand up here this morning, and if I were to tell you, you don't have anything to fear, you know, there's nothing to fear but fear itself, and all, you know, all the quotes and all that stuff. Like, if I were to tell you there's nothing to fear, I would be lying to you. 
you know in this world there are so many things to fear. Like there's death, there's hurt, there's pain, there's sickness, there's accidents, there are um, fears that some of you might have, like some of you might be deathly afraid to get up and speak in front of a group of people, so you might be terrified of that. Some of you just might be afraid of spiders, okay? So, so like there's just all kinds of fears that you're going to have in this life, and if I were to sit here and tell you there were no fears, it would be a lie. There are going to be fears, and there are going to be legitimate fears, This world has an amazing way of bringing about stuff and things and situations in life that's going to come in, into your life, in your circumstances, situations, relationships, in everything that is going to be fearful, dreadful, crippling, debilitating. Like You name it, and it can come and it can happen. And so there's plenty of reasons to be afraid. And there will always be dangers. And there will always be looming obstacles in our life. There just is. And I don't know what you guys think about or what you're afraid of, but as I, you know, always, whenever I read scripture, I always try to put myself like in the, in the story, in the situation, like if this were happening to me. I don't know about you guys, I would be terrified to drown. Like, I, you know, if, if you sit around, th- I'm getting older, and so the older I get, the more I think about death. I guess that's just kind of a normal thing. Like, it's just like, it's coming, and some of you are like, Pfft. Boy, like you got a long way to go. Well, you know, you you start to think about it. And if I think about the the ways that I would prefer to die, you know, drowning would be probably in my top five of like, I don't want to go that way. And then to be out in the middle of the ocean would be another thing. Like if I could drown in six inches of water, it's not that scary. It would stink to do that. And if you knew that I drowned in six inches of water, I'd feel really bad about myself. But it wouldn't be nearly as terrifying as being out in the middle of the ocean and drowning in the middle of the ocean. So I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but, but to think about just the logical practicality of being scared. I don't know if you've ever been in a boat out in the middle of the ocean. It's pretty terrifying. When we went to Haiti for a couple of those mission trips, um, some of the boats that we were on on that trip were not very trustworthy. And I would be lying to say that as we got on this boat, um, and, and one of these boats, they like, like we watched them like sitting there with some very... Uh, uh, crude ma- tools, um, packing, like, I don't know what it was. They were packing something in cracks of the boat to keep it from leaking. And then, you know, it's like, you might be riding on that boat next time. It, it was terrifying. And you didn't know. And it's two hours of boat ride. I mean, so you can kind of see the small island that you're riding to, but it's way far away. It's like, you know, it's like, I can't swim that far. And it's terrifying. And there's so many things in life where fear is practical. And, you know, knowing that we should be afraid of things sometimes. We went to the beach a week ago. And I tell a lot of stories about the kids. I'll have to stop one day whenever they start coming to the sanctuary. But as long as they're not here, they don't know any different. But when we went to the beach, Perry just had no fear this year. It was, it was really kind of like that. It was kind of it was scary for us. We were afraid because he was not afraid. And so we would go to the beach, and we, we basically needed a pack mule to go to the beach for the first few days because all the stuff that we were trying to carry that we thought we needed, you know, it's like, and by day five, we carried none of that stuff to the beach. But 
as we're going out to the beach, Perry just runs ahead. He's running into the ocean. He can't swim yet, but he's running out in the waves and he's going up like to his chest and to his head. And we're just like running after him constantly, trying to make sure that the kid doesn't drown. And so the next day, I finally was just like, I had an, like, I kind of had enough. I'm like, okay. So I stood between Perry and the rest of the ocean and I let him just kind of do his thing. And finally, a big wave came and got him and it pinned him. Like, you know, it, it, it knocked him over, pinned him to the bottom of the ocean, and, you, and it was kind of scary for me to sit back and let this happen, but it needed to happen so that he could understand you need to have a little bit of a healthy fear of what's going on because something really bad could happen to you. And he was scared for about two days, and after that he was over it, and we were playing the whole game again. But I want to remind you this morning that as followers of Christ... We're not called to live in fear, and we're not called to live in practicality, and we're not called to live in logic. Like, actually, if you read Scripture, there's, there's no passages of Scripture where it ever says, only do something if you know that it's going to succeed. There's no passages that, that say, um, you know, only, only do something if you know that it's going, to, it's going to work out or always be safe in whatever your choice is or only do practical things. Like actually scripture calls us as believers to live opposite of that. And so this morning I, I want you to understand there are going to be plenty of things in your life that are legitimate fears that, that you could be afraid of. And, and like, yes, there are healthy fears and we could go into all that and we could really break this thing down psychologically and, and, and do weeks of, of sermons on this. But in reality, <clears throat> I want to remind you this morning, God has not called you to live by practicality or logic, but God's called you to live by faith. Okay? He's not called you to live by fear. And there's so many passages of Scripture that, that lead us against living in fear. So point number two this morning, if you're taking notes, fear is directly associated with faith. And you can put a little tag on the end of it or lack thereof. Every time that you read about fear in Scripture, the majority of the time, there is something coming right behind that or with that or maybe before that that's talking about faith that is coupled with fear. And fear can be found in the Scriptures more than 300 times. Over 300 times, you can find fear in the Scriptures being talked about. And one-sixth of those times... It's found in the book of Psalms. Now, Psalms is very different from the rest of Scripture because, you know, all of it's inspired by God. But when you think about the Psalms, I mean, this is basically people who love God, who are honoring God in their life. And while they're writing out songs and poems and they're writing these things that God is inspiring them in, they're kind of fleshing out their, their, their faith and their thought process and how they're pursuing their relationship with God through these writings. That's why Psalms is so, so beautiful. That's why you get so many Psalms that are read during funerals and weddings. I mean, like during these most intricate points in life, you know, the Psalms kind of speak to us because they're so personal as people are really just what's going on inside their mind and their heart and their relationship with God, they're pinning that out in the moment. It's kind of like personal journaling a little bit. And over one-sixth of those scriptures are found in the book of Psalms. And what you find is in Psalms and in the other passages of scripture that you'll find fear in, it's mostly dealing with appropriation. 
So as it's talking about fear, it's not saying that you shouldn't be afraid or we, sh- we should not feel fear in any way, but it's actually talking about correctly appropriating where that fear should lie. And the majority of the Psalms talk about all the things that you should not fear or basically the, the person who's writing it is saying all the things that they will not fear. Okay? So you look at David, you look at some of these other authors as they're writing it, and it's like, I will not fear you know, mere mortals. I will not fear armies. I will not fear nations. I will not fear this. I will not fear that. And they keep saying, like, I will put my hope and my trust in God. And so every time they're talking about it, and you can see, it's not like these people have, have figured this thing out where they have whipped it, like, I don't fear anymore. You can kind of tell that they're in this moment where everything within them is wanting to be afraid of what they're talking about, but they're reminding themselves in this moment, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to fear this army. I'm not going to fear these people. I'm not going to fear this situation. God, I'm going to put my hope. I'm going to put my trust in you. And it's a reminder of the appropriation of where it should go. So Psalm chapter 56, verses 3 through 4, this is a Psalm of David. I actually used this a few weeks back when we were doing our show up series. But David wrote, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. Why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? It's a great passage. And as David is writing this, like you got to remember, if you go back and you read the, the, the life of David, like there were a few times he was on the run. Saul was trying to kill him constantly as a young man. His son was trying to kill him for a little while as he uh, got into his kingship. There, there was all kinds of fights and, and skirmishes and battles and, and all these people who were constantly trying to kill him. And David is, is writing a lot of the Psalms. He's like, I, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to put my, tr- my trust and my hope in you. And then you look at books like the Proverbs, and it just so happens that Proverbs has the second most passages about fear in it. And one of the greatest, most familiar passages you will know is Proverbs 1-7, where it says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So this morning, you need to understand as we're talking about fear, that it is good that you Fear things, well, not fear things. It is good that you experience fear because God created you to have fear. You with me? But one of the greatest temptations that Satan is going to use against you is to try to get you to misappropriate that fear and to fear things or circumstances or people or relationships or whatever you can throw on it. Satan is going to try to confuse you and make you fear those things. And at the same time, Satan is going to throw the temptation out there for us as believers to look at God as this this, um, plaything. Whenever we want him, we pull him out of the box, we play with him, we talk to him, we do all these things, and, and there's no fear for God. Satan will tempt you to be afraid of all these things over here, but not be afraid of God, when in fact it's the very opposite of what we should be doing. Scripture calls us to fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. For you to understand who God truly is and what he's capable of and the the understanding of, of how powerful and in control he is of your life and all the situations and circumstances around you, like our fear should be in God. 
And we shouldn't be fearing the things of the world. And scripture teaches us that over and over and over again. And it's very difficult because it's very practical to be scared. Like, you know, you know I, I wanted Perry to understand how practical it was for him to have a healthy fear of those waves. I didn't want him to be terrified of the ocean. Like, we spent a lot of time in the ocean. I don't want him to be terrified of the ocean or the waves. I just want him to have a healthy fear or respect of that. And so this morning, it's really important for each of us as believers in Christ to understand that, like, yeah, there are things in life that we should have a healthy respect or fear of and blah, blah, blah. Like I said, we could dissect it all day long. But we shouldn't be fearful of anything. And that's really hard because logic and practicality and just common sense like motivates us like oh no like you should like this could happen. It's like yeah, but how much control do you have over that? How much control do you have over the situations and circumstances? How much control do you have whether or not a storm's going to come tonight and it's going to sink your boat on the way home? You don't. So there's no sense in fear in what you have no control over. But the healthy thing to do and the right thing to do is to fear the God who can. He can do something about it. He can control it. He can have authority and dominion over it. And that's what we're called as believers to do. And when Jesus asked them, why are you afraid? Think about the situation. They're in the water. Most of them were comfortable on the water. Most of them were comfortable in a boat. And whenever they realized, oh man, like, we can't do anything about this. Who did they go to? They woke Jesus up. It's like, Jesus, you got to do something about this. We're all going to die. You have to do something about this. And you would think, like, that's kind of the right thing to do, right? Like, we're, like if you can't do something about it, get Jesus to do it. But then Jesus wakes up and asks him this question, why are you so afraid? And he doesn't even give them time to answer the question. And he immediately goes in, you have so little faith. And he rebukes the wind and the waves. And he displays power and authority over things that they never thought was possible. And guys, it doesn't make sense to the rest of the world. And it's going to be hard for you to rationalize this in your life. But, but God wants us to not only come to an understanding of not only just having faith, but truly thinking about things and reasoning why. And it's going to be really hard for you to look at the rest of the world and say, look, man, you should put your hope and trust and faith and everything that you have in Jesus Christ. And yet at the same time, that's who you're supposed to fear. And that's hard to kind of wrap our minds around. But it's like you think about what you say about the God that you believe in. Like, what do you believe about the God that you believe in? If he is that powerful, if he does have that much power and that much authority, and if he is the author and giver of physical life and eternal life, then yes, all of our hope and trust and faith should be put in him. And at the same time, all of our fear should be reserved for him because we know he's the one who can give it all and he's the one who can take it all away at any given moment. And that's hard to rationalize. And in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2, Isaiah writes, See, God has come to save me. 
I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. And to understand today as believers in Christ that God is your strength. He's your song. He's your hope. He's your salvation. And at the same time, he has created you with the ability to fear because he wants you to fear him because we should. And so don't get caught up in the temptation from Satan to misappropriate the fear. Point number three. You got to know who the man is. You know, Jesus has been asking a lot of questions. We've talked about this a lot, but I want to redirect the question that the disciples asked, and I want us to focus on that. Because something that Jesus had been doing was sufficient enough at this point to get them to follow him, to stay with him, to do ministry. You know, he had turned water into wine. He had healed some people. He was a really good teacher. Everything that Jesus had been doing up to this point, the disciples were, had bought into this idea and they were following Christ. And more than likely, there's a lot of us in the room who are more like that than, than not. Like we, we believe in Jesus. There's something in our hearts that says, yes, this whole God thing is real. Heaven's real. I, won't, I don't understand everything. I don't get everything. I'm not super understanding of Scripture, and I don't really know exactly what all I'm supposed to do, but I believe. And so we, we, we go to church, we do stuff, like we, we try to do the best we can, the best we know how to follow after God. And at the same time, there's this very humbling realization of how little we actually know about the God that we serve. And the disciples who are following after Jesus, and they're with him, all right, they're in the boat with him, they, they, they're doing ministry, they're bought in, okay? And, and while they're in the boat, they're absolutely terrified they're going to drown, which is completely logical and practical, all of us would have been scared to do that. And when Jesus displays this next miracle of rebuking the wind and the waves, they are in awe. Who is this man? And to realize that in this moment, even the disciples did not understand who Jesus was and what he was capable of. And they were face to face with him. They had traveled with him. They had done ministry with him. They had been asking him questions by this point in time. They'd seen the miracles. And they just did not understand who he was and what he was capable of. And this was an amazing realization. Because everything at this point, they believed that Jesus was legitimate. But when he rebuked the wind and the waves, it changed the game forever. Because they realized, okay, not only is Jesus a great teacher, not only does he have power and authority over the physical body and humans, and, you know, he's the God of humans, but this guy can control the wind and the waves. Like, his power and authority and dominion is far beyond what we could ever expect. So what they had just, like, assumed was impossible, now Jesus has displayed his ability, like, no, like, he is God's son he has power and authority and dominion over all of creation. And this just took them back. They just didn't realize it. And not only did it change their outlook on life, but it changed their outlook on the world. 
because it opened up their eyes to see what was possible through Christ. What does the Bible say about possibility in Christ? Through Christ, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And it says it multiple times in Scripture. And then as believers in Christ, how much do we really believe that? How many times do we not live according to those verses and according to that belief because we just assume it can't be done or it won't be done? Know who the man is. Know who the God is that you serve. And I just want to tell you today, you're not going to see who God is on day one. Like The disciples had been following him. They followed him before he ever revealed a miracle. They listened to his teachings. They had kind of bought into it. Jesus starts doing miracles. In fact, there were a lot of times where Jesus didn't want to do things because he's like, my time has not come. He didn't want to turn the water into wine. There were a lot of times he was wanting to shield who he was and what he was capable of because the time had not come yet. But if you watch the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels, it's almost like everything is building up. It's like building up to that climax, building up to who he is and what he's capable of because he wants people to follow him by faith, right? But if he reveals who he is all at one moment, you can't follow by faith. And so you're sitting here today, and it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, but if you've been saved for a while and you've been following Christ, you will understand, like, you put your trust and your faith in him in the beginning, and you like, you didn't understand what was going on, you didn't understand what you were supposed to do, but you're like, God, I'm going to do this, even though I don't get it. And through time, God does little things like answer prayer. And then he begins to help you understand scripture. And then he begins to work things out in your life, and there's blessings that come along, and there's all kinds of stuff. And then these situations, like these storms come up, and all of a sudden you think like there's no way out, and you cry out to God, and God resolves all this, and all of a sudden there's calm. And then he continues to minister on, and it went from healing the sick, helping the blind see, the lame walk, feeding 10,000 people, and all of a sudden he was raising people from the dead. And all of a sudden he raised Lazarus from the dead who was dead for four days and in a tomb. And everything just kept building up until the time where he eventually died himself and raised himself from the dead. And then not, it wasn't done. It's like he raised himself from the dead. Well, then he ascends to heaven. It's like everything that Jesus does is like just one more revelation of who he truly is. And so... We get this amazing advantage as believers today where we get to read Scripture and we get to read back on all the cool things Jesus is capable of. And so we have to come to this resolve in our lives of, okay, do I really believe what this is saying? And then you have to make the decision of whether or not I'm going to stay in this long enough to watch Jesus reveal himself in my own personal life as time goes on. And the thing is that if you stay with it and you maintain your faith and you maintain your walk with Christ, he will reveal it to you. He will answer the prayers. He will work out the situations. He will calm the storms. He will do all these things that we talk about and we believe that he's, that he's capable of, but it doesn't happen in one day. It takes time. And the amazing thing about this is storms and all the situations that come can be very frustrating because it causes us to doubt in those moments. Like we just will. That will be one of the greatest temptations. We'll just doubt. 
And what will also be frustrating because it's hard. It's hard to go through those things. And a lot of times it can be very revealing because in those hard times we realize I didn't say everything I should have said. I didn't do everything I should say. I'm not as close to God as what I thought I was. They're, they're very revealing moments in our life where we realize I'm not as good of a Christian as what I should be. My faith isn't as strong as it should be. But at the same time, they're wonderful blessings because when it reveals to us our inadequacies or our shortcomings or where we are in life, it gives us the opportunities to invite God in to bring us to where we need to be. And so the disciples in this moment, they didn't understand who Jesus was. And even after this storm, they didn't understand who Jesus was. Like you read the Gospels, they never understood the fact of he was going to die. He was going to raise himself from the dead. They didn't understand all that. They totally miss it. And they didn't remember until after he had died and ascended. And it was just revealed to them later on. There's a lot of things they didn't get and understand. But you're sitting here today and believe in your heart that Christ wants to reveal himself to you so that you do know who he is. But also at the same time understand you won't truly know him until you cross the threshold of eternity and you see him face to face. And then you will truly know who he is. But in your storms in life and in your fears and in the things that, that, that come from the day-to-day basis, know God's word. Know what it says about Christ. Know what he is capable of. And you have to make the decision in your life to believe that in your heart. So why are you so afraid? This morning, why are you afraid? And the humbling thing is, is there's not a thing going on that Jesus didn't warn us about. Sins and temptations, they warn us about. False teachers, false prophets warned us about. In the end, sporadic weather, storms, disasters, earthquakes, like all these things that would happen, Scripture warns us about. The great falling away, you name it, Scripture warns us about it. Why are we so afraid? There's not a thing that's going to come in our life that Scripture has not warned us of and taught us to be prepared for and to trust in Christ to guide us through those storms. To know that we're going to be okay. No matter what, we're going to be okay because we have Christ. The one who the wind and the waves listen to. John chapter 16 verse 33 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to read your word and, Lord, to look at who you truly are. And it is humbling to to think, God, we really, we kind of get glimpses every once in a while, but we just truly do not understand. But God, I pray that as we follow you, as we serve you, as we allow you to fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would continue to reveal yourself to us in new ways. That we would put our hope and trust and faith in you and that we would also put our fear in you 
And God, that we would ignore all the other things in this world. Father, we love you today and we thank you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you. Let me find my pain, but you made-